0: I'm gonna throw I'm gonna open these notes up real quick too all right John chapter 13 verse 34 says this a new commandment I give to you this is Jesus speaking a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you you also are to love one another it's kind of like he already said that but then he just said it again so it must be kind of important And then verse 35, he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Maybe in your Bible, the same page. If not, it's just going to be one page over. It's John 15, verse 12. And it says this, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So great. And then... A few pages down we're going to 1 John 4:20 towards the back of the book. 1 John 4:20 says this, if anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Man I think that's so clear about compassion and being compassionate. Um, how many of you have an Instagram account? Okay. How many of you have a Facebook account? Okay. Some of y'all just not raising your hands. Y'all just committed to not raising your I'm not. He's about to blast social media, and I ain't even about to be a part of it. That's what you're thinking right now. How many of you have some form of social media? Just raise your hand. Let me see it. Great. I'm just going to tell you, because I am going to blast social media for a second. Social media is the worst. I mean, it really is like the worst. Like, I genuinely can't find that many good things about social media. It's just like there's so many things about social media that you're just like, this is not good for me. Like, it's not good for me to see you on vacation when I'm sitting at home on my couch eating potato chips. It just ain't good for me. It's not good for me to see you out having dinner and me sitting at home eating mac and cheese. Like, it's just not good. And what I've found is that we will compare other people's highlight reel versus our behind the scenes. And we'll just like look at the things that we can't do and the things that we're not able to do and see everybody else doing those things and getting those things and buying those things. And it's like, man, everybody's always going and I'm always at home, you know, and we'll just major on those minors. Even it may not be like that, but for some reason it just gets magnified in our mind. Also, there's a lot of things on social media that's just that is like is so trendy. It's here today and then it's gone tomorrow. How many of you remember the, the ice bucket challenge? Everybody was dumping buckets of ice on it. Then before you know, it, people were just jumping in water ponds and stuff and just I challenge my best friend and then they go jump in a pond. And it was just like these like things happening. How many of you did the face app? Come on, you you turned yourself into an old person, you did that, right? I did it too, I want to show you a picture of myself, That's, that's me as an old man, okay? So there are some things that I'm into, but social media is the worst though, okay? Some of that is, okay, you can take it down, like I didn't mean for you to put it on there that long, like five seconds max, so I don't want people taking pictures of that and posting it on their own social media, okay? But but there are things like this and the, the kiki, do you love me, people getting out of their car in traffic and dancing and videoing it and posting it on social media. Just all these trendy things that is just a here today, gone tomorrow type thing and I want to talk to us a little bit for just one second and then get into the compassion. But I wonder, there are, I feel like there are some ways that technology is just changing the way that we do relationships and the way that we have relationships. We, there's a study that was done in 1979 to all the way to 2019 of how we care about people. And there's a study that we care as a society 50% less than we did in the 80s 50% less like so whatever that number was cut it in half and that's how we care for people some of you are sitting there right now you're like I don't even care about that I don't even care about that stuff like, I don't mean that's great but I don't even actually care about that but sh- these studies will show this that 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 we just don't care for people. We don't care for people like we used to. And like times and, and, and you know, older generations, my, my dad and grandparents will tell you, you know, just things aren't the same. We, we used to check in on family. We used to check in on each other and our friends. And we would really care for one another. And now y'all don't care about nothing. That's what they're telling us. Y'all don't care what we had to say, what we think. You don't care about nothing. I was literally talking to my granddad last week, and he said, man, we try to tell y'all stuff, and y'all just will not listen. He literally said that to me, didn't you, granddad? He said that exact thing to me. You just don't listen. But there's three reasons. These, these are just extra points. These are not the three main points. These are three extra points. The number one reason is we are becoming more obsessed with ourselves. We're just more obsessed with us. I read another study that said 80% of the reason people get on Facebook is to see how many people liked and commented their post. They just want to see how many people like them. Like, how do you care about me? What do you think about me? How, wh- me, me, me. Remember that song? I want to talk about me. I want to talk about I. want to talk about number one. I love that song. Toby Keith, shout out. I wear boots. Listen, I listen to country music, Stephen, Okay some country I got, all right? But but it's about me. It's like, what? Let's talk about me. Number two reason we don't care for people and we care less about others is that there's an overwhelming exposure on social media to suffering, which desensitizes us. How many of you have been scrolling through and you'll see a, a, a deal about a missing person? And then you just keep scrolling because it's like, oh, another person missing you know it's like it's terrible to say that but at the same time we do it we just swipe right through it all the time and i remember the first time when i was younger seeing the ad about starving kids in africa and you would you would see them with the the flies all over them and they would just shoot these videos about starving kids in africa and i remember being so moved by this tv ad and and I remember just wanting to give everything I had because I'm like, this is terrible. But then after the 50th time of seeing it, it's like you, you, you just turn the channel almost because it's like I've seen that and I'm a little desensitized after having seen that that many times. Another thing about social media, this is going to sound like a complete social media rant, and I don't mean for it to. I just mean I'm just Helping you understand that there are different elements of social media that just aren't good for us in a relational way. And one of those is that when we scroll through our phone, everything on everything on there gets the same amount of real estate. You're scrolling through and you see a, a, a deal about new recipe for guacamole or whatever. And then you go down a little further and you see that uh, something... About an athlete beat his girlfriend up, and then you scroll a little further and you see some friends in Jamaica that are uh, doing missions trip, and then you scroll a little further and see something else going on, and all of a sudden you can't decipher in your mind what is more important, because I really want guacamole... But I also really want to support my friends, Gabe and Amanda, who are on a mission trip in in Jamaica, but I also am really concerned about this girlfriend that got beat up by her athlete boyfriend. I don't know which one carries more weight. And you continue to do that all day, and your mind gets desensitized of what is the most important of all of these things. And all of this stuff is getting the same amount of playtime in your brain and in your mind. And... I think that it's causing us to become desensitized when if we would just have a real, authentic relationship and a conversation, a face-to-face conversation, it would make a world of difference. Amen? Number three reason we care less about people is a lack of personal interaction, which makes it easier not to care, which, quick plug, you should join a life group. You should really join, get face-to-face, sit across the table, get in a cornhole tournament, whatever. But get in a group and go have real-life relationships with people. Get in a group, hang out with people, get to know them, get to know where they work, get to know where they like to eat, and love on each other in a relational way. Do it. Don't just keep sitting here and coming every Sunday. Get in a life group. Is that what it's called, life group? Am I saying the right thing? I group. Okay. Get in an I group. I'll just start that rant all over again. Get in an I group. Come on. Cornhole tournament. All the things I said before. I group. Do it. Come on. How many of you are already in I group? You're there. Great. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, 75% of you are not. So sign up and do it. Okay? Do it. So as followers of Christ, compassion has to cost us something. It has to. We have to be compassionate. And, c- and true compassion demands action. You can't just say you're compassionate and not do anything about it. you got to do it. There's a Greek word for compassion that is splagnizzle mehe. I'm going to say that again because I practiced all week saying that. Okay? Splagnizzle mehe is the Greek word for compassion. Now, it, it we can translate it to have compassion, but really its meaning is a bit stronger than that. It's more along the lines of being so moved by something that you feel it deep in your stomach. I mean, real compassion. mehi. I'm probably going to say it like 15 times, so you're going to learn to say it by the time this is over with. Because it means a real, real compassion. The type of compassion that Jesus felt for people was Splagnizzle Mayhe, The real, authentic, true compassion. To say that you have compassion for something and not do anything is to not care at all. You don't care at all if you just say it. Jesus felt something. And he did something. Every time you see Jesus and the word compassion, it's always represented by a corresponding action. If he had compassion, he just did something about it. He didn't just have what we would identify as drive-by compassion. You know, you're just going along, oh, man, bless them. Or, oh, man, I feel so bad for them. Or whatever the terminology you may use, we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. That we just say it, but we don't have the kind of compassion that we actually go and do something about it. I mean, I'm talking about literally this morning I was driving here, saw somebody walking, and thought to myself, I should ask them if they need a ride. But guess what I did? I just kept driving and came to church. Because I was a little bit in a hurry and all that. I mean, the drive-by compassion in literal form right there. But how many of us would decide that, hey, I'm not going to just have regular compassion. I'm going to have, say it with me, splag nizzle may he. None of y'all said it. Well, I mean, God, I practice all week and you can't even follow along with me. Splag nizzle may Like the kind of compassion that I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to actually do something about it. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus raised the, the ruler's daughter from the dead. He saw a need and was so moved by compassion that he did something about it. In Matthew 20 and 34, Jesus healed a blind man. Later on in that chapter 9 as well, the woman at Canaan, which is actually in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, if you want to read that story, it's in all three of those, not, not John. But the woman at Canaan, and then later on a deaf man, and then he fed the 5,000. And then he, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Every one of those instances, Jesus felt compassion and did something about it. And this amazing miracle took place because Jesus had true compassion. Because true compassion demands action. Here's the bottom line for me. The more I obsess over stuff like social media, the more I care about me and the less I care about others. But the more I obsess about Jesus and the more I care about Him, the less I care about me and the more I care about people and their needs and the more fulfilled I am. So I care about Him, I care about others. I become fulfilled. But then I go to social media and say, I want to be fulfilled by this, the more empty I am. And the more it's all about me. And nobody else is getting blessed. But I'll start caring about him. I'll care about others. And then I become fulfilled. Three qualities of compassionate people. You can write this down if you take notes in church. Three qualities of compassionate people. Number one, compassion interrupts. Sometimes it interrupts. And Mark chapter 6, Jesus and his buddies have been just hanging out and doing the work of the Lord, and they've been uh, just trying to bless people, and Jesus has been speaking, and the disciples have been working, and all of this stuff is going on, and they had really been working a lot of hours and not getting much rest, and in fact, this story in Mark 6 says that they didn't get to eat, like they've been working all day, hadn't eaten anything, And Jesus' buddies come up to him. The disciples came and said, hey, Jesus, like, it's been a long day. And we haven't got any rest. We haven't got to eat. And and so Jesus said, all right, well, let's go on, you know, this side of the mountain over here. And we'll see if we can get some rest and maybe grab something to eat. And all of a sudden, they take this boat to the other side of the mountain. And all of these people are waiting on Jesus where they had decided to go. And the Bible actually calls it a... Uh, Like go to this secluded place. That's where he was planning to take them. The interesting thing is Jesus being all-knowing, you think he probably knew what was about to happen. But he said, hey, let's go to this private island I've got for you over here. And then we'll just feast and we'll have a party. And we'll celebrate all the great things that have happened today and over the last few days. They get there. People are waiting. Jesus starts teaching. All of a sudden, he's like, he's exhausted, but he said, whatever. He continues. He starts teaching. And the disciples still starving to death. Hey, Jesus, why don't we send them out to the village and send them out to their places and let them go buy them something to eat? It actually says, have them go buy themselves something to eat. And Jesus responded, well, don't you have some food we can give them? And disciples said, well, I mean, I guess we can get some denarii and go buy some stuff, I guess. Is that what you want us to do? And he said, well, "What do you got here?" And they went and looked, and said, "We got like five loaves of bread and a couple of fish, but there's like five thousand people here." And Jesus said, "Just put them in some eye groups and uh, see what we'll see what we can do. Put them in some different groups, and all of a sudden Jesus fed the five thousand, and the disciples were a part of something greater in a time of interruption when they thought." They were going to get a little rest and get to eat and be alone with Jesus. That was interrupted and 5,000 people were fed and a miracle happened right in front of their eyes because Jesus had true compassion. In Luke chapter 8, he, on his way to heal a dying girl, a woman walks up and touches the hem of his garment and a little interruption takes place and instead of Jesus carrying on and going forward and i got somewhere to be there's a girl dying i can't stop i don't have i don't have time he said hold up somebody touched me somebody needs something let me take care of this situation that can wait cuz compassion interrupts sometimes sometimes you're on your way somewhere you're headed somewhere quick you got to get there and if you're not too careful you'll rush past a compassionate opportunity because compassion interrupts Compassion interrupts There's a really cool story in Mark 2 When Jesus was in the middle of teaching a packed house nowhere to get in nowhere to go and Four guys said my buddy needs healing Let's just cut a hole in the roof. Let's lower him down. We'll interrupt whatever Jesus is saying at this point What's urgent to us is that our buddy gets healed And they dropped him down and Jesus said in the middle of a sermon, hang on, this is important. Mostly because he probably had dust all over him and he's like, okay, I can't breathe. Let's just heal this guy because, no, he took the time and said, your sins are forgiven. Didn't even heal him at first. He said, there's a more urgent thing. Your sins are forgiven. Now go be made whole. And healed him because compassion interrupts. Compassion interrupts, um, compassion cost. number two, compassion cost. Jesus tells a story in Luke 10, 25 about the Good Samaritan, such a great story, and it's just a, a parable, it's just an analogy that Jesus is giving, and he's literally just saying, for instance, you know, Let's say this happens, and he goes to tell a story about a good Samaritan who passes by somebody, a Jewish guy, who at the time would have hated him. And Jesus is telling this story, and he said, yeah, but this Samaritan cleaned him up. And, and not only did he clean him up and, and give him some food, but he gave him a place to stay. Not just like a night at the hotel. He paid for two nights for this Jewish guy who would have hated him to stay. Not only in this analogy that Jesus gives, did this man who would have hated him, not only did he show compassion towards him like, hey, hope I can help. Can I help? Where can I take you? What can I do? It's, I'll clean you up. I'll give you some food and I'll give you a place to stay cuz it costs sometimes. Sometimes having real compassion towards somebody can cost you something. Um recently I had a buddy of mine his he graduated high school last year and moved to Texas state in San Marcos. Uh, Texas, and he, um, when he was in high school, I really pursued this kid, like, I could see that he had some really good leadership potential, and that he was uh, a good kid down deep, but he had some really, some strong issues with, with drugs, and with alcohol, and things like that, And to be real honest with you, when I first met him at the high school, he didn't want anything to do with me. Um, He knew that I was with Young Life and with this ministry, and he didn't really want anything to do with me. And the unique thing about Young Life and what I do is we take, like, our job and goal, or at least mine, is that we would um, be able to approach high school kids and them not look at us as uh, a person that looks down on them or, like, thinks that what they've done is, you know, like, you know, beyond forgiveness. Or, like, you know, like, a, I, we don't want them to look at us and say, oh, here comes the preacher or here comes the uh, the Bible thumper or whatever. You know, it's like that we don't want them to look at us and, and run. And so we do our best i.e. wearing Michael Jordans, um, to, uh, to, you know, to, to, to be approachable. And we, uh, my whole entire goal is that every kid in my high school that I hang out with, that they would, they would know me as Jordan. And that if they need to talk about anything, want to talk about anything, that I'm available. Well, Mitch didn't know me on that level. And he had looked at me as this guy. And so, Every time I would approach him, he would just sort of like turn the other way and wouldn't be transparent with me or really authentic. And I really pursued that relationship. Unfortunately, he graduated, moved to Texas State, and has been there for a year. He's in the summer going into a sophomore year, and um, he—I just thought that relationship was gone, and I was really sad about it because I knew the potential that he had. Fast forward to this summer, we had the opportunity, my family and I, to go to North Georgia and spend a month at a Young Life property called Sharptop Cove, and amazing place, unbelievable property, and we spent a month there. It's just, it was so incredible. And we, I really had the job of, of the dining hall boss and got to spend time with uh, 50 work crew kids, which are kids that have been to camp, gave their life to Christ, and then wanted to come back and serve. So I got to spend a whole month with these 50 kids, which is really cool. Um, but it was also exhausting. Spent a lot of time there and worked really hard and got home. And I, when we got home, I really just wanted to kind of relax and just spend a couple of days just, you know, just relaxing and not doing anything. So I would committed. I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm not going to respond to emails. I'm just going to hang out. Well, the phone rings. And it's Mitch, and I've got his number saved. So I was like, "Wow, it's Mitch." And I, you know, I don't know if you if you've ever done this, but you know, you can like hit the hit the little side deal, and it just mutes, it doesn't like decline the call, but it like mutes it, so it's ringing. You just mute it. Some of y'all are gonna use that now. You're like, I didn't know they could do that. I would do that all day now. <laughs> but I, at the last second, I decided I'm just gonna answer. So I take his call and it's Mitch and he's from what I can hear sounds like he's in tears and I'm like hey Mitch what's going on and he he said I just got busted with drugs um, on campus and he starts telling me they're gonna kick him out of school and they're gonna keep him in jail and they're gonna do this and that and all these things and He's like, I don't know what to do. I, I haven't told my parents. I don't know what to do. You are the person I thought to call. And man, I'm, I was making fun of Gabe and Amanda crying up here. Now here I am trying to, y'all some sissies up there crying. Um, but I was in that moment. I was thinking like, man, I put so much time in this kid. That didn't care at all. And you know I think sometimes when we're compassionate we want the fruit right then. You know we want to be compassionate. We want them to be like thank you. You saved my life. You were so helpful. And like we want that to happen immediately. But sometimes compassion just takes a little time. And you pour and you plant the seed and then it comes back. And here's the thing. My point was compassion costs. And here's the truth of it. Mitch has a long road ahead of him. We started doing Bible studies together over the phone. And, man, I just wish I could paint the picture of who Mitch is. I mean, Mitch doesn't care about God. He doesn't care about the Bible. He doesn't want that. But now he does want that. I mean, he he told me on the phone. He literally said the words, I want Jesus in my heart. I mean, this is a 19-year-old kid that, like, that sounds like what what you hear from like a, a six or seven-year-old. But he said, "I want." Je-. He's never been to church, never ever been to church, and he said, "I want, I want what you have, Jordan. I want Jesus in my heart." And we've been doing Bible studies together, and we've been spending time together over the phone with, while well, he's you know hours away from me. But it's it's. He's got a long ways ahead of him. And sometimes you're compassionate and you think, I'm just going to drop this and then I'm going to hope that this is it. But sometimes it goes on further than that. Compassion cost. Number three, compassion changes lives. Last point. Every time Jesus showed compassion towards someone, their lives were changed from that moment forward. But when we take the time to show compassion and maybe help somebody out in a practical way, we allow God to use us to have a lasting impact in someone else's life. But sometimes that change happens in us. I wonder, is there anybody here that, um, this is going to sound really weird, but maybe we can make it happen, I don't know. Does anybody here have a $100 bill that you would just give me? Not like, let me use it, but like, give me a $100 bill. Anybody? Gosh, I really, really thought my... Denim? I really thought my dad would do it. But denim? Are you serious? Come on up here, denim. you really seriously just going to give me this $100 bill? I can have this. Oh, my goodness. Does anybody here have a Camaro? Anybody got a Camaro? <laughs> Dude. That is amazing. You're just gonna give me this. My goodness. Well thanks, Dem. Man golly. Alright. Well this is starting to feel like an auction, so we're just gonna keep going here. Well here's the truth of that illustration is that I gave this hundred dollar bill to Denim before we started this. Before you guys even showed up, I grabbed Denim and I said, Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna hand you this hundred dollar bill. I'm going to give it to you. There's going to come a point in the message when I want you to bring that up. I'm going to ask for $100, and you're going to bring it to me. So here's the truth. Denim is giving back to me what I gave to him. When you show compassion to people, you're giving what's already been given to you, something that's already been placed inside you, something that's already there for you to give. All you have to do is be free enough to give that compassion, show that compassion, share compassion. This money was really never denims in the first place. It wasn't his. He's just giving what's what was given to him really just to borrow. Compassion, faith, all of those things are just things for you to hold on to. They're not, and then you give it away. It's not yours. It's something that you can give. Something that you should give and share to others. Um, You're going to have a great opportunity immediately to show compassion next weekend. There's a backpack giveaway happening at Bywaters Park next Saturday at 10 a.m. I think you ought to be there. There's kids all over Lamar County that can't afford supplies. They can't afford to have a backpack. They can't afford it. And they're showing up at Bywaters Park next Saturday at 10 a.m. because they need that supplies. And you could show up and be a blessing and show compassion and love on some kids. It sounds like it's a lot more than a backpack giveaway. There's so many things happening. Bounce houses and food and all kinds of stuff. You need to see... Gabriel Amanda, and find out how you can help. Maybe somebody here wants to supply the hot dogs. Maybe somebody wants to supply some more backpacks. Whatever you want to do, show up. Show up and just be a body. Say, I'm here. I'll do whatever you guys need me to do. I'll paint some faces. Do whatever. Next Saturday, be there. Show compassion. Love on people. Amen? Compassion, compassion interrupts. Compassion cost and compassion changes lives. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the compassion that you showed us. Thanks that um, you love us in spite of our weaknesses. In spite of our addiction to social media. In spite of um, the fact that we're broken people. Um You know, I think that's the beautiful thing about our ability to show compassion is that we aren't all put together ourselves. And when we show compassion, I think it just helps us to understand that if it hadn't been for you, showing compassion to us. Jesus, thank you for the people that are in this room that are lost and maybe just don't know What the next turn is in their life. And they're thinking. You know I. I just need. I need you. I need you to. To show compassion to me. I pray that. Compassion. Would be the word of our week. And that. We would would share. Compassion with everybody. That we find. I pray that we would. We would love on our closest friends and show compassion there. And we would love on people that we don't know at all that are the, the cashier at Kroger that we don't know them, but we would show compassion. We love you in Jesus name. We pray. Amen.